This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Want to know what's going on in your neck of the woods and learn the history and the people behind the events that you love across the state? Get to know the real Mississippi. Check out MPB Think Radio's Next Stop Mississippi podcast on all platforms or on the MPB public media app. From MPB Think Radio, this is Now You're Talking. It's a show about the most interesting people and stories in Mississippi, and I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey. I'm editor-at-large and editorial cartoonist of Mississippi Today. You know, filmmakers Lily Bearden and George Laramore, they're going to be joining us today to discuss their four-part docuseries, The Rolling Fork Tornado of 2023, and it's going to be premiering coming up this Thursday at 7 on MPB TV. Now, in the film... Director Willie Bearden returns to his hometown of Rolling Fork to document the destruction from the March 24th tornado. The damage, folks, I can tell you, uh, was absolutely catastrophic. Uh, Fourteen died. Uh, hundreds had to find shelter afterwards. Uh, basically, uh, it was starting literally from the ground up from scratch. The, then neighbors and volunteers, they, they came together to help Rolling Fork rise from the rubble. It's a story of terror, struggle, and unlikely heroes. It's a fantastic documentary. I'm looking forward to seeing it, looking forward to talking to them as well. So I, I tell you what, um, incredibly powerful. And i just tell you real quickly before I bring them in, uh, my story with it was that literally just on the Tuesday before the Friday tornado, I spoke at the Lower Delta uh, speech series in Rolling Fork uh, at the library. And so uh, it was a great event, probably 60 people there. I was the first speaker of the series for the year. They do this series every year. Um, it, it was Issaquina County Library right there by the courthouse. Six, you know, like I said, it was just a great night. And I came into town a little bit late. I intended to speak at Chuck's, I mean, speak, eat at Chuck's Dairy Barn that day and have a good dinner. Drove around a town, took pictures, saw all those, the carved out bears because, you know, and we're going to talk a little bit about Rolling Fork's incredible history. But I mean, it was just a gorgeous little town and went by the Episcopal Church, Chapel of the Cross, one of the oldest churches in the state. Just um, a great evening. And then Friday, like everybody else, you know, we were watching TV. They cut in on the tornado warning, and it was absolutely terrifying. Uh, just watching it go, you know, see it formed right near the river. It starts cutting through the delta, and it's like it made a beeline. and almost even kind of veered into hitting downtown Rolling Fork, and it obliterated it. The images that you started seeing on social media afterwards were otherworldly. Um, you know, you could tell that there were going to be a lot of fatalities, and there were. And, you know, it, and I got a chance to go a couple weeks afterwards, uh, April, I think April 4th or 6th, one of the two, and uh, interviewed Natalie Perkins. And we're going to talk about Natalie here a little bit, who edits the newspaper there, the Deer Creek Pilot. And she's also an emergency manager, so she was wearing two hats during the, the recovery. But um, – I also did a bunch of drawings of some of the damage, and I got to tell you, um, I, I've seen a lot of tornado damage. I, I, I joke that I've gotten to be very good at drawing, you know, debris since I've been in Mississippi. Um, this reminded me of Katrina. I, I don't, you know, literally coming down Highway 61, uh, I stopped at one of the only existing at the time gas stations and, and got a drink, and uh, then it's literally like you just went into everything was gone. I'm just absolutely gone. So uh, I'm really looking forward to this documentary. And the, our guest today, we got Willie Bearden on with us, who was raised in Rolling Fork, and George Laramore, who's a Peabody Award-winning uh, 
filmmaker as well. So glad to get to meet both of y'all. And I'm really excited about this because I think this is just such an incredible story. And I was talking with, with John Gibson, who does television here, and his description of, of your documentary is it, it's literally straight from the heart. And it, it only makes sense. Willie, I know, obviously, Rolling Fork is a very special place to you uh, just because it's where you grew up. Yeah, it is. You know, I was uh, you sent me your drawings and, and I tell you, they really, really affected me. Uh, the The drawing you did of the football field and the, and the, the stands there. The house I grew up was right off to the to the right of there. I oh, mean, wow. I was like two houses from that football field. I played football on that football field, you know, from the time I was in the seventh grade. And so, oh yeah, and I got to add one more thing. And you tackled Archie Manning. So just to let you know that. Well, yeah. I will say this: Archie Manning ran into me and got tripped up and <laughs> fell down. So I, <laughs> I'll never say I actually tackled Archie Manning. But but after after we got up from the pile, all of my friends on the team were slapping me on the back and say said you tackled Archie and I was thinking no I didn't <laughs> but uh work yeah. with me here now come on <laughs> that's right well that's my only claim to fame when it comes to uh to football <laughs> but well, I, I tell you I could, uh, go ahead George I, I just before I forget there is an Archie Manning connection to all of the uh, the the positive things that have happened in, in terms of the recovery of Rolling Fork, there is an Archie Manning connection to this, which I'll tell you later on, which we okay. just heard about the other day. That doesn't really surprise me, to be honest with you, that if there's some good connection here in Mississippi, that usually Archie and Olivia, you know, play some part of it. So, well, yeah, seriously. I mean, like you said, and that had to be hard because I was, like I said, I was there four days before the storm. And, you know, I'd been to Rolling Fork before, but I really took time. I was I was coming in on two wheels for my speech, but I wanted sure, to make yeah. sure I saw the town and I took a bunch of pictures. And um, and I'm so glad I did that now because it's, you know, even when it does recover, it's not going to be totally the same as it was. No, it's not. It, uh, it, it in fact, the the morning that the morning after the storm, I was I was watching CNN and. My wife kept asking me, and my wife knows Rolling Fork. She'd been down there many times. She kept saying, where is that? What are we seeing? And I literally did not know what I was looking at. And believe me, I'm 73 years old. I have I've walked every foot of Rolling Fork, Mississippi. And I, I it was it was unrecognizable and uh, and just shocking. Yeah, I'm what made y'all literally decide that we got to tell this story? Because I mean, like, and what I like about the fact in what you're doing is it's really easy. And I need to get back up there and redraw the areas where I drew just to show the progress yeah. on it. Because it's really easy to what I call like disaster porn, you know, to show exactly. the to show exactly. the damage. But you know, there's a story behind all that damage. There are people that are affected behind that damage. And and the fact that I think what y'all did is on, with this is it, you tell that story, you tell the survivor story, but you also tell Rolling Fork's story to make people understand why this matters. Yeah, you know, it was we we wanted to tell what happened, but we also wanted to wanted to take many steps back and tell about the Delta. How did the Delta come about? I, I do a lot of public speaking, and people always ask me, well, you know, kind of what happened to the Delta? Why did people leave and all this? And I, uh, one time, one time I was, I was doing a talk and somebody asked me that, and I thought, 
maybe the anomaly is that it ever really thrived at all. Yeah. You know, instead of that, it just, you know, went away, you know, starting about 50 years ago. And, you know, it's always been a a place of great change. And it's just, it's never not been that really. I, and I think I grew up in Rolling Fork at a time when those little towns were in their heyday in the 1950s and 60s. Uh, we were, we were little universes all unto ourselves there. And I wanted to talk a little bit about that, but, but I, I also wanted to talk about why things kept changing there. You know, it's agriculture. The the technology of agriculture kept changing, and people have to understand that. And why is the, the region, you know, uh, just always under just dire poverty? You know, why do so many people have to rent and not own houses and things like that? So so we started looking at at a lot of these things and I'll have to tell you, we we have kept in mind always that who are the losers here? Yeah, you know who's losing at every step, and and, I, and I'll tell you, George has gone down there and talked to ten times more people than I knew, and I think by him not knowing people and not having any prejudices about, well, I shouldn't talk to this person or maybe I should do this. He has gone in and really, really told some stories that I don't think I would have ever gotten to. Do you, do you agree, George? Yeah. Uh, to, to kind of go back to your original point, we, we went down uh, the Monday after uh, Willie and I talked over the weekend after the tornado, which was on the 24th of March, which was a Friday. We talked, I think, that Saturday morning and just kind of decided between ourselves that we need to go down there and, and see this. And we both have done a lot of TV production. So, you know, let's take a look at it and see what it looks like. And and it, and, I, and me thinking, of course, that this is Willie's hometown. I mean, Willie and I have been friends for a long, long time. I've been to Rolling Fork myself many times. So it just seemed natural to me in terms of a, a, a story that needed to be told right there. But we went down there, and the, the 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 devastation was hard to describe. You've seen it on television, but that does not do it justice until you stand around there and look at it for days at a time. And uh, that was we felt like. We felt like the the media, as Willie said a few minutes ago, that most people in the media would would hit Rolling Fork one time and, and walk away and not come back again. Uh, uh, as you said, it, but Good Morning America has done a great job sticking in there, bringing attention to it because of Robin Roberts. But that's just, that's the thing that we want to do is just keep going back and watching it, uh, for lack of a better word, evolve how this how the how the destruction affected people, the the people being spread out across the Delta for places to live in lieu of being able to live in their homes, how they would come back, how the business environment would come back, how the political environment would react to this, and how that people would react to this infusion of federal and state money. There's just so many factors involved that you, you don't think of them in terms of a small town. You think of those as kind of big city issues, but they're the same issues you see in, you know, Memphis or Chicago or Atlanta or New York, except it's a town of 1800 people. So uh, we all, Willie and I both knew that, that there was an incredible story uh, 
to try to tell. And it's I say try to tell because there is a lot going on down there. We've just done the best we can to try to tell the human side of it. That's what we've tried to, I think, tried to focus on uh, in part one, which is going to air this week on, on Mississippi Public Broadcasting. I found that people wanted to talk in a way it was almost therapeutic i was there i think like yeah. april 4th or whenever and and they 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 wanted to tell their story they wanted to you know because i was at bearable fitness right there across from the hospital that's where the the eoc was and and so there was like several food trucks there you know giving out food so a lot of people were there and i was just sitting there talking to people and they were doing like what y'all have done is is they were telling the stories about what happened to them in the, the tornado and a lot of them were like yeah like you said they're living out somewhere else and, and but we're coming back you know they were they were determined they were going to come back but i think the thing that amazed me the most just even after a week and a half was just that power poles were back up they were stringing electricity. The roads were clear. I didn't get a nail in my tire. I don't even know how that happened because it literally, literally everything was totally destroyed. So, you know, like I said, it's you get that initial boost of energy, but now here we are, you know, six to nine months later. Where is it going? And I'm so glad, like I said, that y'all did that. That you're that you're telling that story a little bit because, like I said, when because. You know, obviously, every small town has its political issues and everything else, and and y'all really do kind of put that into perspective. Yeah. Well, you know, I I I really think that George and I kind of knew that we needed to do this. You know, these uh, these disasters are so common now. Right. I mean, they happen. You know, every week. You know, somewhere, some little town, whatever. But what they don't have is I don't think they have people who have told stories with modern media. Yeah. You know, and and so that's where we kind of felt like we were different and we could go in and and tell those stories. I've I've done a lot of museum work and and I've thought about the Delta a lot and I've shot and written and and all this. So with this, I thought, you know, I can't go down there and pick up a hammer and help somebody build a house. Yeah. I can do this and it might be universal enough to where people in other cities and other small towns, when they see this happening to their community, maybe it can kind of be a roadmap for them. You know, and George, you probably going to add something to that I was going to say that, you know, for people to understand, Rolling Fork was also under a lot of stress because of the flooding that had been happened in the previous couple of years. You had all the devastating South Delta floods. And so they, they were under economic stress at that point anyway. And the track of the tornado almost looked like it literally took a little bit of a kink right as it was heading toward downtown and hit them right in the throat. I mean, just punch them in the throat. So it was like it was like so unfair just how it all went down on that day because they were already had been kicked in the chin. But I mean, it's like a very proud town. Yeah, you know, I mean, there's a, I mean, there there's a there's a there's a spirit in those little towns that have people have persevered over so many yeah. kind of heartbreaking situations. And, and people have done well. And you talk to folks and they want to live there. Yeah. You know, a lot of them realize, you know, we're not going to get a, a Chevrolet motor plant here. You know, we're not going to get that. But, you know, this is going to be a good place to live. And I think everybody just wanted to stay there. And so that's kind of been the problem. You know, on one hand, you've got 
these charitable organizations have come in and literally built houses for people and furnished those homes. You just wouldn't believe. George was down there uh, last week and the week before and shot stuff, and I was blown away when I saw the footage. I mean, pictures on the walls, you know, every, you know, uh, knives and forks and spoons in the drawers. And so, so many people have been so kind to the people of Rolling Fork. And, and, but, you know, that's just karma, I think. I think that, I think that people in Rolling Fork have been good to other people. And as you were talking earlier, you know, if you're going to have a disaster somewhere, if you have it in a place where everybody has a tractor and a chainsaw <laughs> and a backhoe and all this, believe me, things are going to happen quickly. I mean, by that Monday that we were there, everybody had, you know, there were trailers out there. And you think, man, if this had happened in Memphis, we would have been in trouble. But in Rolling Fork, everybody, well, just, yeah, let me bring three tractors and do this. So, I mean, that's certainly not an upside, but it does speak to uh, just just the spirit of people down there. Yeah, I always talk about that we do have the chainsaws and casseroles, that before you can get out of the rubble, there'll yeah. be a church van in your front yard full of people with chainsaws and casseroles. They're going to be feeding exactly. you and cutting the tree on that. George, you some of the stories that y'all are telling, and um, it— you know, I think one of the things is when you listen to those stories, you think about what would I have done in that situation? Like, how do you leave, how do you decide to leave your house and go to Chuck's Dairy Barn to be safe? You know, that sort of thing. And people made literally life and death decisions when this thing's bearing down on them. Yeah. You know, one of the one of the things that we uh, one of the we, we were trying to Will and I were discussing when we started is how do you try to tell a story which really is it, it's a huge story i mean it's a small town and a huge story because the, the destruction was so was at such a a level uh i've heard estimates between 50 and 60 percent of all the houses in the town were either destroyed or had to be torn down wow. now you imagine wow who, who, Folks listening out there, if you imagine a town of Tupelo, if someone said, all right, we're going to tear down, we're going to knock down half the houses in Tupelo today, imagine the level of catastrophe that would bring with it. Uh, it, So many businesses, it went literally, and Willie knows this better than I do, but if you cut the town into thirds, it went into the middle two thirds Mm -hmm. of the town. And just just sucked it up like a vacuum cleaner. At uh, Chuck's Dairy Bar is a, is a key example right there on the highway, a central place in the town, a place where everybody knows everybody and everybody goes all the time. The mo- mobile home park right behind Chuck's was where most of the fourteen people who died there died. Okay, it just swept right through there. Our uh, Willie's friend uh, Charles Weissinger, who's a uh, is a major part in our story his law office mown down the uh, the flower shop which we were in visiting just the other day torn completely to the ground and if you take you say that this has happened to such an, a large percentage of the the people and enterprises in the community that's the only way you can imagine how severe it is and again, you know, as Willie said earlier, this is a town where a lot of people live below the poverty line. 
Okay, it, the, the, the community is 70 percent African-American. There's a, a, a good amount of unemployment there. It was a town struggling to find its way anyway. OK, and then to try to come back uh, is it's going to be it's a, it's a struggle now. It's been a struggle since day one. It'll be a struggle two years from now. But the I think the the spirit of the community is the thing that keeps coming back to me. And again, it's something that Willie mentioned a, a, a minute ago from his history there. The spirit of the people, the 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 willingness of the people to help each other. You in this in this crisis, you talked about uh, Natalie Perkins. Uh, Marshall, she's one of um, she's one of, for lack of a better term, one of my favorite characters in this whole story because she, her heart is on her sleeve and her heart is in her newspaper, and the, the, the what they went through to get that paper published that first week and continue to do is is pretty astounding. Uh, and again, not to sidetrack, but if you look at local newspapers, everybody who lives in Mississippi knows the struggle of hometown daily or weekly newspapers. They're dying all the time. She was in an uphill struggle to keep the Deer Creek pilot going and then had this thrown in on top of her. And she's the number two person in the emergency management team in the city of Rolling Fort. Natalie Perkins, That's that was her immediate job. Get in a truck, pick up your radio, go out and see what you can do. She told us on camera, she said she went to this, uh, this spot where they had kind of had an impromptu uh, place where people were gathering to try to coordinate things. And somebody walked up to her and said, you know, there's, there's two people, there's two bodies behind the dollar store. And she told us, she said, that's when I knew my town is devastated. But the stories that we've heard and continue to hear, not from the beginning and not to have stopped, Every time we go down there, every time Willie and I talk to people, they tell the most amazing stories. And so often uh, we were in Anguilla the other night. Friday night was homecoming. OK, the high school was was wrecked to such an extent that they couldn't play. They go, don't, don't go to class there. They couldn't play football there. They had their high school homecoming game in Anguilla. They had a parade it was a wonderful thing. Everybody who could turn out did turn out. And they were just they were just glad to be alive and glad to be there. And, and it was the most positive thing you can possibly imagine, considering the situation that they're all in. And in uh, the coach, we talked to the coach, Patrick Barnes. Uh, he was telling about he had three different three of his students uh, were you know lost loved ones in the storm. And yet they were still back there, still playing football, still trying to be normal. Yeah, I think that's the key thing is trying, just trying to find normalcy in, in the situation when there's no normalcy whatsoever. And, you know, you talk about Natalie, there was like a prom or not a prom. Yeah, it may have been prom that, yeah. that night. Yeah. I mean, just think how many kids would have been home during that. But I remember Natalie said her radio went off and she said there was a tornado on the ground. And at that point, I don't think she knew at that point how bad it was going to be. And, and, you know, like I said, I text her every once in a while just to check and see how she's doing and everything. And to this morning, she said, oh, I'm doing OK. I'm still busy and I'm still trying to play catch up. And I said, are you ever going to catch up? I don't think so. But um, I said, you know, you I said, I don't even know how she did what she did because she was like you said, she was doing two hat wearing two hats during that whole thing. But every single person I talked to in the town seemed like they were just going on pure adrenaline for months on end. Yeah, I I think they certainly were, and 
you know the creativity that people showed yeah. in uh and how they came back was just astounding amen you know, and and just everybody by our friend clark secoy who's the judge there yeah uh, clark clark uh, is one of my closest friends and and he said they had literally 30 seconds <laughs> to go do something. And he was in his store that night. He owns the liquor store there. He had 30 seconds and he's like, okay, where, do, what do I do here? I have 30 seconds. And they ran back into the storeroom. And he said, as this thing was hitting and luckily it didn't blow. I mean, it blew everything around him down, but he said he was standing there and the realization hit him that, wait a second, I'm in a room full of glass bottles <laughs> You know, you know, so just everybody had to really think on their feet and everybody started helping one another. Yeah. And I don't I I think, you know, by the time the tornado blew through within 10 minutes, people were helping folks. And some of the storm chasers. What some stories there? Now George has talked to them more than I have. George, can George, can you speak to like the the storm chasers? Oh yeah, there were. Uh, it's it's kind of it's kind of odd. They uh, it, it's kind of hard to to comprehend. But uh, we've all seen the storm chasers on television, and you you know they've made a movie about it, and you hear about them all the time. If you they're on YouTube constantly. Anytime there's a tornado or 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 a uh, hurricane, anything you see the storm chasers everywhere. Turns out that night, uh, pursuing this particular weather system, were seven different teams of storm chasers mm-hmm. driving all in the same place. They all pretty much know each other. They're all chasing the storm. Some of them, they're just it's like thrill seeking, but a lot of them, they're just they're trying to get video and they're trying to get video because they could they make their it's their business to do. But we've we talked to a lot of really really nice people. I I talked to a this this is a wonderful aspect of it in a way a, a mother and son storm chasing team. Wow. <laughs> and 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 that team came into Rolling Fork as soon as they saw it hit. Yeah, that's right. They, and they, they literally started. started uh, Pulling you know, started helping people, started digging people out of the rubble. They yeah. went by this one house where these there were 11 people in the house at the time. And they just started calling out saying, are you in there? Are you in there? Are you OK? And they people would call and respond to each other. And then they started digging in and they pulled every single one of them out. One person was hurt. One young man was hurt pretty badly. But the rest of them got through it OK. Wow. I mean, that like said, you do you do see that they're really good about search and rescue and everything and i'm just was thinking about on a storm chasing thing this this storm i mean it was supposed to be a terrible night anyway and they were saying we we're going to have a big huge outbreak but it turned out to be one really bad supercell and if anybody knows anything about the south delta just the odds of rolling for getting hit at all were incredible i mean it was just cruel it was just cruel yeah. fate yeah yeah yeah, I mean, there's when when you look at when you look at a satellite picture, and we used I used a Google Earth picture in the film where we start on Rolling Fork and you see the little town, and you pull back, you start pulling back, and there's like nothing, 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 nothing. Then you can kind of see Greenville and Vicksburg, but 
I mean, Rolling Fork is a little speck down there in the middle of nowhere. And you're right. For that tornado to have just targeted that town was just unbelievable. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey from Mississippi Today. Uh, we're, we're talking today with filmmakers Willie Bearden and George Larimore. Their new documentary is Rolling Fork Rising. Um, it's a story of terror, struggle, and unlikely heroes. Uh, for those of you who don't remember, I don't know how you couldn't, but on Friday, March 24th, an EF4 tornado, which was about a half mile wide, absolutely just hit Rolling Fork, Mississippi, right up the gut. And then one course continued to travel on through the Delta, hit Silver City, destroyed it, uh, hit Winona, took some lives there as well. The storm went back up in the sky, came back down. Uh, the tornado came back down in Amory and hit it as well. This was a terrible, terrible night all across the state. The thing was, this thing hit during the night. So it literally nobody could see the damage except for like what, whatever their headlights could shine or a flashlight. Next morning when the sun came up, uh, Rolling Fork realized that it had an awful lot of work to do to recover. Uh, y'all have done a fantastic job, like I said, on this documentary. It's a four-part documentary. You've told the story of Rolling Fork. You've told the story of um, it's the disaster itself, but also the, the incredible recovery, too. And it's one that's very indicative of, of Mississippi and particularly of the Delta to go through struggle and through hard times and to make something beautiful come from it, uh, a.k.a. see the blues, for instance, the music. Uh, there is a long history of that. The run date's coming up. It'll be coming up on Thursday. Uh, at 7 p.m. It'll be coming up this Friday as well at 7.30 p.m. So these are chances for you to watch it on MPB TV. It'll be on Sunday at 10 in the morning. Uh, on Thursday or 10, 10 maybe in the morning. I didn't write that down right. Hang on. It is 10 at, yeah, 10 and 30 in the morning. And then on Thursday, it'll be at 2 p.m. in the afternoon. So lots of chances for you to be able to see it. You know, guys, I was just thinking about this. This tornado reminds me very much of the one that hit Greensboro, Kansas, back in 2017. Once again, hit the town, obliterated it. They kind of like started over from a clean slate and said, this is what our town's going to be. How has that been government-wise and leadership-wise in getting – because you've got all the – like you said, all the different charities coming in and building and so forth. Has there been a master plan or is there is this thing just kind of happened organically? You well, know, I, I think there's been a, I, I think that's kind of been the question, you know, who is really in charge? Because when you come down to it, nobody is, nobody is prepared for this. Right. No, there was not a person in that town. And and I say that because I, I had a, had the opportunity to talk to a Congressman Benny Thompson a few weeks ago, and he's in part one of of our film and he said exactly the same thing he said you know why 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 is everybody saying well, what are you doing you need to do this you need to do it. he said nobody's ready for this right and he said you know people say we're not building back fast enough he said well if you build back to the standards of rolling fork you can build back tomorrow because there are no standards and so there were so many things that he really opened my eyes about, about, you know, people wanting things to happen immediately. And, you know, when you get the federal government in there, they have standards that you must meet before anything can be done. I, I do think that people understanding that they had, that they can have a vision 
to make this place something that it wasn't before. Yeah. And I don't know, I, I don't know what that vision is, but to me, it seems like this is the golden opportunity to see something that was not here. And then, Hey, look what we've made. And I wish, I, I wish I had an answer for them as far as, you know, what to do, you know, is it tourism? Is it, you know, because it seems to me that the, the Delta really relies on tourism. Now, 20 years ago, you couldn't pay, you couldn't have paid anybody to come to the Delta, you know, and now you have museums, uh, you have places to go, you have places that people go hear music, you people, you know, chase the tamale trail and, and all of these things. So there has been that creativity in envisioning what the Delta can be. Yeah, you've got the combination of blues and Teddy Roosevelt and Rolling Fork. Yes. Yeah, definitely yes. on that. And, and Rolling Fork has exploited that beautifully. Yes. I mean, they've been having the, the Great Delta Bear Fair for years. And uh, and let me tell you what, when you see three or 4,000 people in downtown Rolling Fork, it is it will warm your heart, you know, and, and people are, you know, buying art and crafts and things like that. And, and maybe, you know, maybe that's the key mm -hmm. is to get people to come. Um, you know, I, I don't know, but, but I just know that, that the people of Rolling Fork have the capability of envisioning what they want this town to be. Don't you agree, George? Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, I think that's, I think the jury's kind of still out on that to some extent. I think people want to do it. Yeah. Yes. Uh, can they, can they pull together kind of as a team to get it done? Uh, there's, I mean, the, I, I thought uh, Willie's conversation with, with Congressman Thompson was, was, was really strong in that he just sort of tells it like it is. There are a lot of people saying, we know what to do. I can talk to somebody in the governor's office, blah, blah, blah. But they don't really know. Uh, and they're dealing with a situation which no one has in Rolling Fork had ever dealt with mm -hmm. at this degree before. Uh, there's been a lot of frustration in the town among the people in the town that things have not moved faster. I think that's always true. And yet there's a, the other part of that is that the, the town itself, the Board of Aldermen, the mayor's office, have not been the best at communicating what needs to what they are trying to do, what their vision is. And I think people want a, a much clearer picture of that. Uh, I, I think everybody's hopeful. There's still a lot of uh, belief that it that it can get to where they want to get to, but it's it's a long pull. Uh, I, I think we should emphasize uh, in terms of this in terms of this project. This what we're doing, what Willie and I are doing, is not complete by any means. That's right. What you'll see on Thursday of this week uh, is part one. It's it's the it's the storm itself, this reaction to it. It's this disbursement of people, the immediate attempts to try to pull things back together, who some of the key players are. We're going to continue. We are continuing to go forward with this. Part two, we're going to look extensively at housing. Housing is the key issue in the community. 
they, again, going back to what we were saying a few minutes ago, they lost so much housing. And so many of the people in that community are renters. They do not own what they lived in. So they didn't necessarily have insurance for their belongings. They don't have the money to build back. That's a big part of the struggle. But it's also a big part of the, the beauty of the thing, which is all of these organizations coming in from in the state of Mississippi, outside of the state of Mississippi. FEMA, MEMA, people coming in trying to help people have a place to live so that they can get life back to normal. Uh, again, that's that's what we're working on. That's what we're aiming part two of uh, in in large part. Part three, we're, we've got there's so much storytelling to be done that we're not quite sure what we're going to do with part three. But it, it gets stronger all the time it, because we the longer we're there, the more people we talk to, the more stories we know to tell. I, I think, you know, yeah, what you're doing is, 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 is brilliant because, like you said, so many times people literally come for the initial disaster and then they're gone. And I remember, you know, six months after Katrina being down working on the coast or maybe it was December, so it wasn't six. But anyway, they had a psychological tent set up where they had – you know, people, they could go and get therapy and get help and everything like that. Over half the people that had come through were still in shock. Yeah. You know, so yeah. you you can really do a lot initially when you with adrenaline, right, when you're pushing through it. But now we're getting to the point now where that trauma is starting to eat through. And, you know, people are, you know, depression kicks in and everything else. So, I mean, the fact that the community is still hanging together is very encouraging because I think they, they're going to need each other before this thing's totally done. Yeah, and 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 we've been we've been very concerned about just the the general mental health of people uh, down there because you don't you don't hear about that a lot. That's right. I mean, people, you know, it's hey, you got to be tough, you know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps and all this, but you know, human human beings. Yeah, your boots are, are like four like, miles away. You know, that's right. Yeah, we have no boots anymore. Yeah, we have bootstraps. So. So yeah, we we are very concerned of, about things like that, and you know, will the young people stay in Rolling Fork? Yeah, you know what 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 is there for those kids who are graduating from high school? You know, and what is ten years going to look like down the road? So there there are a lot of questions, but I tell you, I, I love Rolling Fork, and I, I love what it gave me. And uh, we just want to give back a little bit and maybe offer, you know, a little bit of clarity, you know, as to what's going on. Yeah. And I'm so grateful you're doing it, too. Like I said, just the people that I met before the storm were absolutely fantastic. I mean, it was just such a great night. And then the people that I met after the storm, once again, you know, you're just your heart goes out to them. And the fact that you're telling their story, the complete story and and thank you for doing it. Yeah. Well, and thank you for having us on. We we uh, appreciate it, and and we're just we're glad to be able to to offer this story to the people of Mississippi. Yes, definitely. And and you know, in a way, I mean, people can say what they want to about our state, and you know, and I, Lord knows, I've spent thirty years drawing cartoons about a lot of the crazy stuff that goes on here. But times like this make me really, really proud of where we live. You better believe it. 
you know, because it's it's just the response was just off the charts wonderful. And you know, literally, there I love it because there's like church groups where the men's group literally they they own a smoker, and that's their whole thing is to hook it up to the yeah. truck and to go and cook barbecue and make sure that people can eat on that. Willie, I was just going to say, you watching this live, because you were probably watching the storms come in, that had to make, your stomach had to just absolutely drop oh, through the, I, through the I floor. I was sick. And, yeah. and my friend Clark, I called him. I, well, I sent him a text. Yeah. And, and I said, you know, at like 830 when the thing had just blown through, and he called me. He got he a was, cell tower. That's incredible. Yes. And he was just, and, and I said, man. You know, don't don't let me, you know, keep you here. He said, no, no, no. I just want to tell you what happened. And I was just, I was stunned. And I'm telling you, and really nothing's been the same since that day. No, it really hasn't. I sold a bunch of books that night at the library. I still yeah. have all the uncashed checks in my bag. I'm going to just start mailing them back to them now because I think they'll probably get back to the people because I figure they don't have the books anymore So uh, on that. But, I mean, like you said, it's a great town, and I'm so grateful for both of you for doing this. And I'm glad it's going to be – It's the first one's going to be Thursday night at 7 on MPB television. Um, that's – it's incredible. How long is the is the actual document? Uh, it's 30, 30 minutes. Each, okay. each part is 30 minutes, yeah. And I know you all have enjoyed working together on this too. We have. We've been friends for a long time, and – you know, it's kind of like the, uh, it's almost like a Hollywood story. The two old guys, you know, kind of come in off the bench and <laughs> and we're able to do something, right? We're back in the game, just as long as you don't have to tar- tackle Archie uh, again. Exactly. Although you might be able to catch him easier now. I don't know. <laughs> Man, I've enjoyed this. Uh, yeah, we're, we're well past the point of retirement. We should have better sense than to be doing what we're doing. But but well, you, you just can't, uh, a, a story of, like this, you you just can't turn away from, and the people of Rolling Fork and and the people of any town yeah. that this happens to deserve their story to be told. And and we're in a time where where the media is so fragmented, and there's so little coverage of stories that should be told that that people really need to we're we're doing what we can and I, we think it's important that we're doing this thank you both uh we're out of time i wish i could talk to you for two hours about this rolling fork rising is going to be uh, premiering thursday at 7 p.m on mpb television i want to thank you for listening special thanks to our guests willie bearden and george larimore for joining us and if you'd like to hear this or any past episodes you can listen to on our podcast app or mpb public media app now you're talking is produced by the incredible Jermaine Flood. Join us next week at Monday at 10 a.m. I'm Marshall Ramsey. I hope you all have a great week. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.